Tonight, we're going to go back to our series on the home. So I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. This is a two, kind of a two-week series uh, that we're going to be looking at as we look at this section. And it has to do with the biblical roles of husbands and wives. And so this, this series overall, of course, that we've been talking about is this idea of bless this home, building lives and families on the Word of God. The Word of God is the only foundation on which we can build our homes, our families, our lives upon. And uh, to, first of all, we looked at this, this idea of, of asking God, if we want to ask God to bless our homes and bless our families and and uh, show his grace, then we need to be willing to obey what he has said. Um, that's, that's seen throughout Scripture. You know, if we don't obey God, we can't expect him um, to show his grace and his, and, and his blessing in our lives. So tonight we're going to start this idea of the biblical roles of husbands and wives, part one. And, and it's gonna, we're going to focus on the first part of this passage in Ephesians. Um, and so in the next week we'll finish it up. So uh, this is, you know, tonight we'll be focusing on a, a general admonition and the roles of wives and the next week is husbands. So ladies, make sure you bring your, your guys back next week, okay? So they can, they don't want to, that's the thing, you know, you come and you have this, they have this temptation to duck out next week. But, you know, next week is not the week to go hunting or anything like that, right? Right, ladies? Right? <laughs> it's a joke. It's okay. All right. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Paul is writing and he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so as we prepare to jump into this tonight, of this idea, uh, thinking about this question, you know, what is marriage? That's a loaded question, right? Um, this is a, a question that someone, uh, this and other questions like it, they, they took the opportunity one time to pose this question to children. And as you might expect, you ever ask questions, serious questions to kids and see what happens? They have the most interesting answers, don't they? And that's exactly what happened. Okay, so, so what is marriage? Well, Eric, age six, says, Marriage is when you get to keep your girl and don't have to give her back to her parents. Or Marty, age seven, says, if marriage is anything like spelling, I don't want it. It's too hard. William Robert, age five, said, hey, I'm just a kid. It gives me a headache to think about things like marriage. Ralphie, age nine, said, marriage is a real good thing, I think, but baseball is pretty good, too. 
Or Pamela, age seven. Marriage is what happens when two people are in love, and they go out to eat, and they like talking to each other so much, their food gets cold, and they don't care. So then, then we went on to ask, um, they went on to ask, at what age should you get married? And Bert, age five, said, once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. Stephen, age seven, said, I think 82 is the right age to get married. That way, you can hold hands to keep each other from falling over, and nobody knows what you're doing. It's pretty smart, right? Dylan, age 10, said, one of you has to be old enough to write checks, because when you get married, there's a lot of bills to pay. <laughs> uh, someone else, uh, someone, they, they went on to ask, how do you know who to marry? Kelly, age 9, said, you flip a nickel. Heads, you keep them. Tails, you find another boy. Some of you, is that what you did? I don't know. So. Bruce, age 10, you get shot with an arrow. I don't know just how it works exactly, but I don't think it's supposed to hurt. Then you feel all squishy when you're with them. <laughs> David, age 10, said, you know, that's a good question. I've been trying to hide from love and marriage since I was five years old, but the girls keep trying to find me. Madeline, age 11, when you go on a date with a boy and he pays the whole bill at the restaurant, then you know it's okay to marry him. They asked, uh, when do you know it's okay to kiss someone? Alan, age 10, said, you should never kiss a girl unless you have enough money to buy her a ring and her own VCR because she'll want to have videos of the wedding. And don't, don't tape over a fishing show over that wedding, right? Brandon, age 11, when you take a girl out on a date, you can buy her french fries. Then if she starts waving the french fries around, it means she wants to kiss you. I've never seen that happen, but I guess it does. And then they said, when do pe- what do people do when they go on dates? Craig, age nine, said, many daters just eat pork chops and french fries and talk about love. Matthew, age 10, said, on the first date, people just tell each other lies. That usually gets them interested enough in each other to go out on the second date. <laughs> and finally, Elijah, age nine, said, people on dates are funny, like puppy dogs. Puppy dogs wag their tails when they're happy. People on dates are like that, except they don't have tails. <laughs> so... These are humorous ideas of what love and marriage looks like to kids. And and we laugh, but I ask ourselves, do we as adults sometimes feel like we don't know any better than that, right? Um, You ever struggled with how to make marriage work if you're here and you're married? You ever struggled to know, you know, hey, what, what should I be doing? Well, thankfully, God knows that we struggle, and he knows that we need his help. And so... We looked at, a few weeks ago, God's design for marriage, and we saw that God instituted marriage as one man and one woman together for life. And as marriage is God's institution, God also has roles for husbands and wives to play within that marriage. And and prerequisitely tonight, before we look at Ephesians chapter 5, let's lay some groundwork. We should note that in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 5, there is an assumption that's being made by Paul, the writer, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit here. He is assuming this, that, that both the husband and wife in these verses that we have before us are professing believers, they're Christians. Because here's the thing, if you don't know him, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then you don't have the power to live for him. And so the things that that you read here in Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't know the Lord, they're kind of like, wow, how can anyone do that? How How can I live that way? Well, in and of ourselves, in the natural man, we can't. We struggle with that. 
It's, it's through Christ and through God's transformation of our lives that we can live that way. And what we see here is that God's defined roles for husbands and wives create the foundation on which a biblical home is built. We talked a few weeks ago, and I'm going to reference this here in just a minute, about the most important relationship in your home, that is your relationship to God. And that, that is the foundation of all. That you, if you want to have a, a godly home and a place where, where God is lifted up and where the glory of God shines and where people can, can grow in a, in a relationship with, with God, then, then it comes down to this personal responsibility that you and I have about our relationship with God. We have to maintain that. That's, that's mom, dad, kids, you know, teens, any, grandparents, anyone who's in your home, that, that's a personal responsibility. Now, parents with, with, with children may have... Uh, some involvement in that. We'll talk about that as we go, about the, the involvement of parents in the lives of their kids as they raise them. But at the end of the day, no one can make your decision about God for you. You have to make that on your own. You have to, to, be, to, to personally realize where you stand before the Lord. And so then the, the foundational human relationship within any home is a husband and a wife. Um, parenting grows out of this, um, your everyday life grows out of this, what your relationship is like. And so God, here in his word and his wisdom, has given us in this passage and others like it, the roles that, that husbands and wives fulfill to one another, but ultimately to him. And so we see that tonight by laying a foundation in verse 21. Um, there's a foundation of biblical submission that's laid out for, for, for us to note. Now, we examined, as I said a few weeks ago, that most relationship, important relationship in your home. And, and that relationship has to be right and clear if we're going to have right relationships with other people. You have to understand that if you won't be godly, you can't enjoy a godly home. And this passage before us, Paul is doing the same thing that he did in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, um, he was, I told you, we, we looked at those first 17 verses, I told you the verses that come after that are about your personal relationships, but it starts with your relationship to God. And Paul does the same thing here. We, we often think of Ephesians chapter 5 as having this, this passage on marriage, but understand that before that is all these instructions on how we're to live as Christians before God. Because again, we have to get the vertical relationship right so that our horizontal relationships will be correct. And so Paul does that here. He admonishes believers all through chapter 5. I'm not going to preach chapter 5 tonight. Uh, You can go and and study that on your own this week. But he he admonishes believers all throughout this chapter on how they're to walk rightly with the Lord. Because at the end of the day, this is what it comes down to. Walking rightly with God is always a prerequisite for every human relationship. So before we unpack the specific commands and applications from God on how these things work out for husbands and wives... Let us see a basic admonition that rules human relationships. In fact, verse 21 and the command that you find there is what verse 22, the command to to wives and their role within marriage, verse 22 builds off of verse 21. I'll show you how that works here in just a minute. But see, what you find in verse 21 is the foundational disposition of, of believers, the foundational disposition of believers, the, the foundational, just, just how we're supposed to relate to other people. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So what, what is it that's so foundational to our relationships with other people? It's this idea 
of submission. See, after Paul addresses how we walk throughout this life as a Christian, and after he discussed our behaviors and our need to be controlled by God's Spirit, he addresses how we relate to others. He tells us that we, as Christians, need to submit ourselves to one another. He's addressing men and women, all those who know the Lord. Now, this term, that to submit yourselves to one another, this is a military term that's used. It's the idea of ranking under or placing yourself under another person. You go into the military, and some of you have served in the military. Uh, You are placing yourself under what the person there tells you to do, right? Um, If you don't, how is that going to go for you? You're going to have a bad time in the military, right? Um, I always, I don't know if I said this before, but I always chuckled at when I was in school at Bob Jones you would hear these stories. They were true because they happen. You know, these guys would, would say to you or, or, or girls sometimes, you know, I'm tired of the rules here at Bob Jones. I'm going to go join the military. And you think, okay, good luck, <laughs> you know, because um, you think this place has a lot of rules, okay? <laughs> um, it, so what, what, what submission is not is it's not making you someone's groveling slave, but it's relinquishing your own rights for the good of another person. We are willingly serving other people for the glory of God. That's biblical submission to one another. This is the goal of the Christian's life, to serve others as Christ served us. Paul wrote about that in Philippians chapter 2. Truly submitting to another person means placing my needs and my desires below theirs. And this is the way of life for a Christian. That's how God has called us to live. Greatness in God's kingdom isn't throwing your weight around and trying to get things done your way. It's serving other people. And Jesus taught that to his disciples. You can read that in Mark chapter 10, especially where Jesus taught that. And he illustrated that for his disciples in John chapter 13 at the Last Supper. And that's the call to us today as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to build relationships in general or marriages in specific, uh, in particular, that, that are honoring to the Lord, you and I must first be willing to submit ourselves to others And to serve them. And if we're not willing to do that, we can't build God honoring relationships. You know, whether you've been married for decades or you're not married, that is this is what is needed in your Christian walk and is vital to your human relationships. And we have to be honest, as imperfect people, um, we always have work for us to do when it comes to this. God continues to do his sanctifying work from the moment we trust him to the moment we step into eternity. And so we have to, 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 in turn, open up our hearts and lives and ask him to convict us of our own selfishness. You have to answer this question. Are you willing to give everything in your life to the Lord? Because that is what true biblical Christianity looks like. Everything is, is open, God. Are you willing to admit that your life may not be what it's supposed to be? Are you willing to admit that there are things in your life that that might be sinful? Are you willing to admit that your marriage may not be what God intends it to be? Are you willing to say that your relationships with other people need God's continued sanctifying 
of yourself. You know, sometimes it's really easy, actually sometimes, a lot of times, it's really easy for us in whatever relationship we have, whether it's with our, with our spouse or another person, to say, man, God needs to get a hold of that person. They need to change them. You know, we're really good at that, right? You know, I wish they'd change. When, when really it's God's trying to change our hearts and our lives. Not that the person is perfect, but that we have something going on in our heart and life as well. And frankly, if we're not willing to make these commitments and these open confessions about our lives, then our relationships are always going to struggle. Because sin always causes friction. Sin always causes friction. The conviction of God, when we harden our hearts, then does not break through. And you and I must be willing to be submissive to God and his callings on our lives. And when we're willing to do that, we can see what God has called marriage to be. So let that be the the foundation for both of these things that Paul talks about here. That it has to start with this foundation of biblical submission that we submit ourselves to other people. And then Paul builds on that, going into this, this idea of the roles of, of wives within marriage. So carrying on into verse uh, 22, Paul gives the biblical role of wives in their marriage relationship. And so what you have, if you go back um, to the Greek text, in verse 22, the, the, the verb here where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, the verb's not present there. It's building off of verse 21. The same verb is just carried over into this section. So you see why you've got to understand how that flows into that. So here is a general call to all Christian wives to follow the admonition that Paul gives here. There's no other qualifiers here. Paul Paul's address of wives means that all who hear this, regardless of maturity, age, intelligence, or anything else, uh, they were to, to listen to these things. Now, obviously, those who do not know Christ will not listen to these. In fact, most who do not know Christ will struggle with some of the words that we hear here. Because the whole basic premise and idea of submitting yourself to the desires and needs of another person is foreign to someone who doesn't know the Lord. It goes against the basic tenet that all humans live by. What is the basic tenet of the natural man? Watch out for who? Number one, yourself. And that's why countless human relationships, including marriages, fail. Because when two people or in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a marriage relationship, when two people in a relationship are interested only in pleasing themselves, then it's, it's, it's not going to be long. It's, it's always just a matter of when, not if, disaster is going to strike that relationship. Eventually, here's what happens. You have two people in a relationship trying to serve themselves all the time. And eventually what happens is they do their own thing in their own spheres. You know, and sometimes those spheres overlap, right? What I want is what this person wants. And so we're here, but then we're back over here doing our own things and and serving our own selves. And eventually what's going to happen is one or both of those people is going to get tired of the other person never acquiescing or assenting to their own perceived needs. And so within the context of human relationships... And a call to submit ourselves to one another, Paul then gives an expectation of how marriage is designed to work by God. 
Within the relationship of a husband and wife, a wife is called on specifically to submit herself to her husband. Now, I think it's important to note what submission does not entail. Understand, this is not a command for a wife to become the slave of her husband or to obey unconditionally. You know, and I think that that misunderstanding of submission has perhaps done more damage to this text and its applications over the years and feeds the despairing cries of Christianity's opponents. Well, you just expect that women are just going to listen and do everything they're told. That's not what submission is talked about at all. Instead, we have to understand this. When it comes before God, husbands and wives are spiritual equals before God. Husbands and wives are spiritual equals before God. In the sight of God, men and women are equal. Because which one, men or women, are created in the image of God? Both is a trick question. I told you that when we looked at the text in Genesis where she was, when the woman was created from the rib, it was still the same idea, the, still the same thing, that she's created in the image of God. But we have to understand men and women are equal yet different. They're different in their makeup, their characteristics, even things like physical traits and abilities, gifts, talents, and roles within a marriage. And in this way, they complement each other. In this way, God's wisdom in creation is seen. And in submission, husbands and wives, what they have is a mutual possessiveness of one another. We see that in this idea that that wives are to submit to your own husbands. A wife is to submit to the one who in a very real sense belongs to her as her husband, not to another person. In marriage, a husband and a wife separate themselves from all others and unto each other alone. And in this relationship then, the wife submits herself to this man whom she has pledged her love and her life to. And you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden and the ramifications that come from the fall. We have to understand that the curse of sin that fell on mankind in the Garden of Eden because of Adam and Eve's sin doesn't bring about these roles. God didn't make these roles in marriage because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. No, what happened is sin complicates these roles. This is exactly how God designed it from the beginning. But sin and sinful feelings complicate our obedience to the things of God. It is God's plan that in a home, husbands take the lead. It is God's plan that wives follow their husband's leadership in a home. Now, obviously, if a husband is calling on a wife to do something that goes against God's word, where do you give priority? You give priority to the word of God. But even when a wife may feel that, you know, in this instance, I really feel like I know better. And I'm going to tell you something. She probably does. Okay? True biblical submission means holding up her husband and following his lead. Again, we're talking about something that's not not disobeying God. Now, I'm just going to tell you, any husband who is unwilling to listen to his wife 
and her input is foolish and will find himself in need of many a course correction in life because marriage is one where we work together. And we'll talk about that next time as we unpack the, the husband side of things. Godly marriage is two people working in concert together to move closer to God and to serve him greater with their lives. But even in times when husbands make unwise or, or even it was the wrong decision, wives can have an incredible influence on them by submitting to their husband's leadership. Just look at what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when you observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. I mean, here we have a situation, as Peter writes to, to Christians who are facing persecution and distress in their life, um, where, where a wife is, is married to someone who isn't saved, who doesn't know the Lord, who isn't listening to the word of God, yet Peter still says, you know, submit to your husband and follow his leadership in your life, and, and by so doing, you're giving a testimony of what God has designed. But see, you know, that sometimes there are other ways that things come about or things that... that, that, that um, the opinion is expressed and things like criticizing or sermonizing or nagging or other such behaviors, they don't exalt the name of Christ before a struggling or even a lost husband. But instead, submissive, obedient spirits preach an incredible message. Now, again, this doesn't mean that a wife becomes passive or taking abuse or committing sin. But it does mean that being willing to obey God even in difficult circumstances, because she understands the role God has for her in this relationship to which she committed. And this leads us ultimately then who to whom a wife is placing herself under when she places herself under her husband's leadership in her life. We see the ultimate master of, of our submission in our lives. As you keep reading it in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, wives, submit your, to your own husbands as to the... Lord. See, wives are called to submit themselves to their husbands as unto the Lord. Paul says later in the passage we examine in the first message, in Colossians chapter 3, he says, Wives, submit your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what, what has to happen first is that submitting to Christ's lordship in our lives has to come first. Then it's possible to submit as Christians to other people, and as wives to submit to our husbands. This is perhaps, I think, a lot, one of the greatest failures of Christianity or discipleship to pass along to the next generation. I, I'm troubled when I talk to people about the Lord and their exposure to the Bible, that sometimes, a lot of times, Christianity becomes this easy believism, Right, that that hey, if you'll just say this prayer and you'll do this, and you know you'll you'll say you'll believe this or you, you profess faith, then you can go to heaven. And then you just kind of leave them there, and you know that's great. So then along comes somebody else to share with them the gospel. Oh yeah, I've done that. When Christianity becomes easy believism and merely a way to heaven, the true power of the gospel becomes lost. When you come to Christ, 
You're not just there for a get-out-of-hell-free card. You're there for a new master of your life. Because you're tired of the old one. You don't like the sin of your life. You don't like the path that's taking you down. You don't like, you, don't, you see the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what you're doing is, is, yes, experiencing salvation from hell and separation from God for all of eternity. But then what you're also getting and what you're also experiencing is, is the transference under a, mass, the new, a new and gracious and loving master, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of your life. That is why he is called our Lord. He is the commander of our hearts. This is why the call of Christ, Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, in what we call the Great Commission, he did not say, go into all the world and make converts. What did he say? Go into all the world and make disciples. Converts might recite words and creeds, Disciples commit to new lives and callings. Converts may give up a few minutes here and there. Disciples give their entire lives to the cause. And it is incumbent upon us to help others see that Christianity is living new lives. Not perfection but lives of growth and change, not self-serving, but Christ-honoring and consumed with who he is and what he has done. And so then, within that, we're called to submit ourselves to Christ, submitting ourselves to others, and back to where our text is tonight of wives submitting to, our hus- to, to their husbands. You know, in life, there will always be those that we're called to submit ourselves to or submit ourselves under, that we're going to find it really difficult to respect. They may hold a position in our lives we know we should honor them for, but they, but they as a human being do not inspire that respect naturally in us. Where is this most commonly applied to in our lives? In what? In politics, in the government, Right? <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about the government, right? I remember, I mean, I heard this growing up, you know, respect the position, even if you don't respect the person that God has, has put there. You know, we, have, we see that in the scripture. We don't always respect the person in the position of authority over us because of their decisions or their outright sinfulness. They just don't inspire. They don't, they don't genuinely stir up within us this, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's the person I want to follow. Yet, we are reminded so often in Scripture that God has placed them there. So, we respect that position that they hold in our lives and we seek to honor them. Sometimes it hits closer to home than the federal government. Sometimes it hits closer to home with a boss at work that we just, we have a hard time with. Maybe you've been there. You had somebody at work, man, you really struggled. You knew that, that God put you in that position. You knew that God had you there. and Man, it was, it was hard. Maybe it hits even closer to home with, with a spouse. Here's the good news. With God, that will never be the case. He always 
not only commands our respect, but he inspires that respect in us by what he's done and what he continues to do for us. When you and I truly see who God is, you know, I, I pointed you this morning to that, that picture in, in the account of Jesus and, and how he looked at that man and he said, go thy way, go your way for your son lives, because your son lives. And I said, think about the ramifications of that statement. That Jesus doesn't have to be in the same city, in the same, you know, he wasn't in the same house, the same city. He wasn't even the same zip code, right? Um, they were 16 to 20 miles away. He's never been in this man's home. He doesn't know who that man's son is. But he has the power of God to heal him. When you understand who God is, that inspires awe and respect. When you see the love of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross, that, that commands our love and our respect for him. And so with him as the one we ultimately submit ourselves to, we can then submit to these humans in our lives that God has called us to submit to. Whether it be the government, our bosses, or other people, or our ladies, our, our husbands. Now, let me speak to you for just a minute, husbands. I want to speak to us. It falls on us as men of God to make it unusual in our homes that our wives are submitting to us because, solely because that's God's call to them to do so. We should be submitting ourselves to the Lord and following his call in our own lives to make this relationship be the picture he intends it to be. God intends for us as husbands to submit ourselves to God and to follow him and, and to carry out our role that we'll, again, we'll look at next time that, that as, we, as we unpack the passage here so that it's, we make it, in a way, easier for our wives to carry out the things that God has called them to. But let us see then the picture of submission within marriage. We see this in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. It's really interesting as Paul goes through this passage to see that God intends marriage to be a picture of the church. Marriages work just the way the church works with Christ. The church is called throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, the bride of Christ. And as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the wife. And when we seek to go our own way and do things against what God says, things do not end well. Think, if you would, in that context, first of all, about a church. When a church strays from the truth of the gospel, when the truth strays from preaching the word of God and doing things the way God and his word is laid out, what's going to happen to that church? Is it going to be honoring the Lord? No. And you've seen many a church get off into sin, and they may be popular. You know, There may be something going on there that draws people in, but the work of God isn't going forward. Because they're not following the leader. They're not following Jesus Christ. 
When wives do not submit to the spiritual leadership of their husbands, then homes do struggle. When men fail to lead their homes for the Lord, homes struggle. And addressing this subject, this subject of submission and even talking about it sometimes is a scary thing. But I just want to say this. Honestly, this whole idea of submission puts more onus on husbands than it does wives. And by the way, I don't know if you notice, Paul has a lot more to say to husbands than he does wives. There's a lot more on us as men in this, because of these things. Husbands will answer for how they led their wives and families for the Lord. You as a Christian husband will answer to God for how you led your wife and your family for him. Wives will answer for how they submitted to their husband's leadership. Now you tell me, who has more pressure in that situation? Yeah. Truly, then, one of the greatest things a wife can do to encourage her husband is, and it's obvious because it's what God said, is submit to her husband's leadership. That's obedience to God, which should be all the motivation, of course, that's needed. But I'm just going to tell you, it also sends a message to a husband. His responsibility to her is fully seen in her willingness to follow him. All other family ties are prioritized under that relationship, making him the focus of her attention and him the focus of her human authority. And so that will lead us next time into the, what God calls on husbands to do in this role. But we see here throughout this passage that God's defined roles for husbands and wives create the foundation on which a biblical home is built. If you and I want to see a successful godly marriage, we have to understand that it takes two believers willing to commit and submit themselves to each other as fellow believers as they strive to serve the Lord together by serving each other. Marriage always takes teamwork, following the Lord and seeking to obey Him. And until... You and I are willing to submit ourselves to God and what He calls us to do, then you and I will find no true joy in our marriage. We have ideas about what it takes to make a marriage work, but God has the answers of what it takes. And unbelievers will struggle to understand these things because they require a giving of self that doesn't enter the mind of the natural man. A marriage where one spouse is a Christian may see some of these things as that believer seeks to witness for Christ following the Lord. And I've observed these situations where maybe a a husband or a wife, one of them is saved and the other is not. And they're seeking to carry out what God has called them to do and and they're they're, they're giving an incredible testimony and God will bless these people for, for obeying and following him. God's call to wives is to submit to the leadership of their husbands. And this this naturally places responsibility on a husband to be a leader. Okay, let's be really honest, ladies. Okay, you ready for some brutal honesty? 
your husband is not going to get it right every time. You don't look shocked. I thought that would be shocking. Guys, I'm sorry I let the secret out, okay? He's going to struggle. He's going to fail. Because he's human. But by God's grace, God will continue to work on him and he will continue to seek to follow the Lord. Because just as God, as a minute ago, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, he continues to grow us and change us. He doesn't give up on us. So the greatest thing that a wife can do is to do what God says. Support your husband. Lift him up. Challenge him to greater spiritual heights by reminding him, hey, we're here. I'm here to follow your lead. Not as a a blind slave, but as a willing life's partner wanting wanting, wanting to give your best to God and to him. And there's no greater joy and challenge to that man that you love so much. I'll tell you that as a husband. Nothing, there's nothing so joy. My wife and I, we've walked through some difficult times in our lives. We've had some struggles. We've had struggles with um, our relationships with other people. We've had struggles with uh, what God wanted us to do or not do. And, and I can tell you in those times, just from just, just a personal testimony, so take it for what it's worth. Knowing that my wife was there, and I always say, on my team. That was a huge encouragement. By that I meant, on my team, she's on God's, she's trying to do what God, praying that God would show us direction and show us what he wants us to do. And uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. I don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but I, we could talk, I could talk for a long time about that. And how God, even as, as our family just personally, a couple years ago, was looking for a place where God wanted us to serve as a pastor. You know, that's a, I've shared bits and pieces of it. That's an interesting thing, you know. How do you know where God wants you to go and not go? And it takes a lot of prayer and a lot of dependence and a lot of, of working together and, and being willing to follow the Lord. And um, we, we just, we wake up every day in Beaverton, Michigan, thinking this is the greatest place on earth, right? Beaverton, Michigan, okay? <laughs> But that's what happens when you seek to follow God. I'm not, and please don't, don't walk out here thinking, oh, the pastor's just here to tell us how great his relationship is, you know. We got a lot, of, we got a lot to work on, okay, <laughs> just like anybody else. But that just a little illustration of, of how my wife encouraged my heart during a time like that, just by constantly, hey, whatever God says, this is what we're going to do. Whatever God says, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. Whatever God says. Again, notice where it, what, what it was. Not, not just whatever you say, but whatever God says, I'm going to follow you. And that's a, there's, like I said, there's no greater joy or challenge to a husband such as that. So next time, next week we're together, we're going to look at the rest of this passage and see what God calls on husbands to do, how we're to love our wives and how that falls in line with this picture of Christ and the church. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for a place to meet when it's cold outside and the heat we have here in this building, Lord, what a blessing that is. May we not take these little things that we consider to be mundane or normal for granted, but may we see your grace and goodness in them. Lord, help us in our marriages and our relationships with one another. Help us to submit ourselves to you, that we may submit ourselves to others.
Lord, may we this week, may all of us, men, women, kids, teens, may we this week go out of this place asking ourselves, hey, how can I serve someone else today in the love and the fear of God? How, how can I show my worship to God, my honoring to Him by serving other people, by placing my needs below theirs? And Lord, specifically as godly women in our church, I know want to follow their husbands, uphold them, and, and seek to do what is right by submitting themselves to them. Lord, help us as husbands to guide our homes biblically and right. Help us to guard our relationship with you that we may know how to lead our wives and others we may have responsibility for. And Lord, may our marriages and homes and personal lives back up what we say we believe. May we be a testimony for you. Your name we pray. Amen.